2-2. There's a swing and a high fly ball out to deep left field. Bo Bichette with a leadoff home run. We feel like everybody can contribute um, in a lot of different ways. Everybody can hit anybody out there on the mound. You know, when you have confidence like that in all of your teammates, it's not only fun, but, you know, makes it easier on everybody. So it's uh, obviously been a fun however many seven games. We've been playing really well and uh, just look to continue to work and keep it going. Well, Barker, I hope you apologize to me now after uh, your second guessing Charlie Montoyo's genius decision to lead off Bo Bichette. Uh, Bo's not going to work the count. You know, one thing we know about Bo, Bo's not going to hang around. He's not going to foul off a lot of pitches. He hung around that first at bat. Come on now. Yeah, he chased a couple. He chased a couple of pitches. He probably walked in that bat. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look. That's that's the that's the option they went with. It worked out. I've been saying Charlie Montoyo is really underrated as a manager. Yeah, he's a mad scientist. There's not much not much doubt not much doubt about it. It's Baseball Central, Blair and Barker, <laughs> folks. The Jays are in the playoffs, pretty uh, much. Really? Well, they're not. Well, yeah, you were 83 to to hosting a playoff game. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt uh, they're gonna. There's no doubt they're gonna be the first wild card team. I mean that that that's uh, huh? You know what it's gonna come down to, right? Rays. Those six games against the Rays. Uh, well, and, 1,000%. And, and that worries you? 1,000%. It's, it's just the Rays. That's it. The Rays will have everything. What every, can go wrong? Well, the Rays will have won the division by about 100, 100 games at that point. In time. Best record in the American League. That's what they're there wanting. There you go. Uh, your Toronto Blue Jays, folks. They are 77-62. and 62. They are half a game out of the wild card. They are playing the Baltimore Orioles this weekend. The Yankees are playing. The Yankees, by the way, right in front of the Jays. They are playing their crosstown rivals, the New York Mets. Who the hell knows what Mets team is going to show up? Boston Red Sox, they're playing the Chicago White Sox. I'd normally say that that plays into the Blue Jays' hands, but has, as Kevin Barker has convinced me, the White Sox are a fraud. So, um, I mean, you have. You, you, you convinced me all along. The, uh, you, you convinced me, and you were right. The Jays claimed a 6-4 win over the Yankees. They have swept the Yankees. And uh, this is, I mean, this is a stat, 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 stat. This is according to stats perform. The Jays are the first visiting team to sweep a four-game series at Yankee Stadium, old or new, and old Yankee Stadium was old, without ever trailing. The first team to sweep a four-game, they never trailed. They never trailed in that series against the Yankees. And don't look now, Kevin Barker. Remember how we talked about the Jays' record over 500? And boy, could you really? Yeah. I mean, we did, and it wasn't very good. No. Well, at the time we were talking about it. At the time we're talking about it, they now have more wins over teams that are 500 or better than Tampa Bay. They have the same number as Houston. I mean, I don't know know where to go with this. They are. So you're telling me that's the only stat from now on you need to look at? what they do against good teams no but i'm saying that the turnaround has been and it almost snuck up on us the turner the turnaround has been remarkable again this was a team that couldn't beat a team over 500 yeah, we were okay. talking about that well oakland's struggling well, oakland had, had them on the ropes until lordis back lake city to grand slam and all, all of a sudden everybody can hit when it matters yeah, now, and everybody's oakland, throwing strike one oakland's and, won two in a row they're two back uh, Seattle is two back as well. The Jays, as we mentioned, are uh, half a game back. Oakland's got Texas. Seattle's got Arizona. So there's not going to be a okay. lot of help on that front. But uh, 6-4 for the Jays yesterday. Um, you know, I, again, we talked about the batting order. 
being changed. And George Springer is back tonight for the Jays, so he will lead off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Bichette moved into the leadoff spot out of the fourth spot. He's back hitting cleanup again uh, again tonight. And, I mean, he hit his third career leadoff homer, and it did it did set the Jays on their way. And, and uh, I thought Jose Barrios looked really really comfortable out there. That's what I needed to see from him against the Yankees. But yeah, yeah. well, you know, I, what did I say to you that I was going to be looking for? The, the spin <laughs> on the breaking ball. Did he have it? And and right out the gate, you could tell. Your first inning, you know, he didn't throw a ton of them. He was trying to – he saw what we were seeing. And and so did Petey. When they game planned against the Yankees, you attack with fastballs. It's in. You establish that. That sets up all your secondary pitches. You know, get them looking in there. Get them cheating a little bit. Open up the front side. And then you don't have to be as fine with your secondary pitches, but you, you do you do a little bit more digging into into Barrios's night. You know he threw 109 pitches. He had 16 swinging strikes. He had 28 called strikes. Now that's a big number for me. You know you, he doesn't throw exceptionally hard. You know he's throwing harder last night. You could tell mechanically he's found his sweet spot. Like he's confident. He's in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know him and Danny were. Danny was putting it down. He was going. Danny's putting it down. He's going. You know Danny, there, there thought, wasn't any. I thought shaking. Danny had a pretty good night. He last had a great night. night for me. Like yeah. it was. You know set it up to throw this pitch. If it, this pitch doesn't work, I got I got it all figured out. And you know just to get a guy through the, those kind of things. You know you look at his strike one. He faced twenty six batters. He threw <clears throat> excuse me eighteen strike ones. 14 of those were called strike ones. That that will, you know, there's a reason why I told you about the, the called strikes, 28 of them. You got a guy that that mechanically has had whatever's mm-hmm. going on. You know, all the movement, <clears throat> trouble repeating delivery. It's the it's the line. You could tell, well, when we were watching him warming up last yep. night, and I don't know if you remember, but the first little time he did his little walk and he put foot in front of the other. And he, he, I did, don't know, he yes. did like six, six of those right down the line. What that mentally tells him is, is that's where he wants to keep his finish. If he can do that, because he does have a little turn in his windup. You know, he doesn't want to step outside that. He, he doesn't want to choke it off by stepping inside that. He wants that direct line. So, you know, he can get all those things tunneling. One goes one way, one goes the other way. But the called strikes, the 28 of them in the 109 pitches, just tell you that. You know, Yankees are struggling. They're not seeing the ball very well, but you could tell it had late bite to it. Uh, last night's the first time. That's the best curveball I've ever seen him had. I went back and looked at a, a bunch of his video when he was with the Twins. I didn't really see three different breaking balls. Last night he had one to a lefty. It looked more like a cutter for strike one. He had one to a lefty that, you know, it looked to me like he was changing grip a little bit, had a little bit more 12-6 break, and then he would have that other one. You know, occasionally that after he elevated a heater, he would throw the two to seven when on the clock that he could back foot it to a lefty or obviously go down and away to a righty. So, you know, the, the 27 breaking balls that he threw, he, he threw 17 of them for strikes. The, that for me, besides the command of the sinker, command of the, of the, of the four seamer, you know, the, the change up looked exactly like the sinker, but it was yeah, about he, 10 miles an hour slower. He owned, he owned the bottom of the zone. It, last it was night. just, he really did. you know, and then he could elevate with the four seamer. That's how he got some strikeouts. It was, you know, you, 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 Always are wondering when a guy could, could come to the party. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, he's here. The Jays' lineup is as follows. We'll whip through it very quickly. Springer leading off DHing. Semyon's at second. Guerrero's at first. Bichette's at short. Teoscar Hernandez is in right field. Alejandro Kirk is behind the plate. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in the left. Jake Lamb gets to start at uh, third base, and Gerard Dyson will be in center field. Uh, get as many lefty bats in there as you 
as you guess I can, uh, or, or as you, you, you can, I guess. And, um, yeah, we got it. just, I, before we move on and talk about the Orioles, just want to, want to sum up that, that Jays series that we just saw. We'll be joined by the way, by Bill Ripken and Jeff Passan. Uh, you should know that the Boston Red Sox have another COVID case. Chris Sale tested positive for COVID-19. <clears throat> Uh, so that's that's as an aside. So let let's let's kind of wrap up the uh, some of the statistical things from the Jays. We already talked about that sweep over the Yankees. Um, it was the Jays' first four game sweep of the Yankees since two thousand and three. The Jays had 16, 16 ex, extra base hits and a nine hundred four OPS in that sweep. Uh, of course, we talked about Vladdy Jr. Uh, the youngest player in Blue Jays history to record 100 or more RBI after last night. Uh, he's the third youngest player in AL history to have 40-plus homers and 100 RBI in a season before turning 23. Joe DiMaggio and Juan Gonzalez were the other ones. And, mm-hmm. and Bark, we'll talk to Passon about this, but look, the Los Angeles Angels aren't going to be in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani's year is great. Mm-hmm. If Vladdy wins the Triple Crown, which is doable. Yeah, let's see. He's fourth, fourth in ribbies. Yeah. Uh, Legion second, average, second fourth homers, in ribbies. First, yeah. first in average. Yeah. It, 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 it's really going to be hard to beat Shohei Otani because of everything Shohei Otani is. But I think, I think there's a chance Vladdy makes it a little closer. Yeah, I think, I think he's in the conversation a little bit more. But, you know, Otani has got over 40 homers, uh, stolen over 20 bases, you know, he's throwing about 112 innings. I, you know, and it's not like his ERA is five. Right. It's like um, it's going to be real tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and uh, but it's closer. Yeah. No. It, it's look. It's it's not. It's certainly. Again, you're you're fighting against a unicorn. So it's there. Gonna, you go. It, it's well said. You know, it it's going to be Vladdy would have to stand in his head probably to uh, hit a home, home run standing in his head to to uh, take a shot at this. But uh, we talked about the Jays' wins above against teams above 500. They now, they are tied with Houston for the most. The Rays That's, am- that's amazing. Well. No, it really is a turnaround. Well, you know what that says? It really is a turnaround. That, that, that says, you know what Marcus Simeon said, that the offense needs to catch up to the starting pitching. Guess what? Yeah. And now the bullpen is, a, is, is about as shut down as you can get. Yeah, speaking of uh, starting pitching, Robbie Ray is on the mound uh, for the Blue Jays tonight against Chris Ellis. We don't know yet. No, I haven't heard. I didn't hear Charlie's media availability. I think the plan was Saturday for Ross Stripling to come up. Was it not? There's some thought that Ross Stripling and Thomas Hatch may be up yeah. here. Hyunjin Ryu is currently scheduled to pitch game two of that series. And uh, we do know that Steven Matz will go Sunday. And then it's back to Toronto and look out. Yeah, it sounds, like, the it, it sounds like maybe Hatch might be piggybacking Ryu just in case. Right. Yeah. Um. I want to talk about a couple of things out of last night's game. First, we've got to talk about Nate Pearson. Uh, gave up a couple home runs. Uh, a long home run to Gary Sanchez that you texted me right away. And let's, look, I, I, I'm not, a, I don't believe that every time something goes wrong, a guy is tipping his pitches. But Gary Sanchez hit a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Off the foul pole. Yeah. Now, I understand if you're facing Nate Pearson, chances you're probably sitting there thinking, I'm probably going to get a 
upper 90s fastball. It's well, not threw, really rocket science. He threw a couple of non-competitive sliders to Sanchez there. So Sanchez probably eliminated the slider. Don't even think about it. He's looking for something but that's, that's harder and straighter. It's just <clears throat> the one thing that stands out to me, it, you know, a lot of guys or some guys that throw super hard. The radar gun is the only thing that says it's super hard. The guy standing at the plate doesn't think that. And mm-hmm. that's sort of what you're seeing. Sanchez turned around two strike 98 down like it's nothing. Yeah. Like, like it's just, I, I know the home run he hit, you know, that's sort of who he is. He can get to that ball. You know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, one of those guys that if you're pitching to him, you can probably get him out. You know, the guys that he faces who are throwers like mm-hmm. Nate Pearson is a thrower. He's not a pitcher right now. And those guys, you know, he can sort of dominate because he can eliminate one of the two pitches and, and sit velocity. And, you know, he's a grip it and rip it guy. So that kind of, that kind of, you know, is in the favor of a, of a Gary Sanchez, but I just, it's very hard to know what Nate Pearson is. And maybe it's, it's just way too early to even think of that. Well, but, look, I said, I wanted to see him pitch in a, I wanted to see him pitch at Yankee stadium. I wanted to see him pitch in some sort of, yeah, not maybe me. not a high leverage situation. I, I will say this. I think that that was the perfect, that was the perfect opportunity to get him in the game. Not a safe situation, yeah. but uh, it's Yankee stadium. Mm. It's the Yankees. And you're going to come up against you're going to come up against some guys with home run power. I, I look. I, maybe the Jays went to school on that. Maybe Nate Pearson went to school on it. I, but I, I think in the long run, that was a good thing to get Nate Pearson out I of guess, that game. I, I guess you know you, when you saw the camera pan over to Charlie, Char, you could see Charlie got a little worried and had to get. Uh, had to get Romano up. It's yeah. it's just one of those things where down the stretch here, Charlie's going to go with the confident people oh, that he has out but, of the pen. My and point Nate's is not one of them. No, but my point is, you know that now. You know, yeah, it's almost like with a guy like Nate Pearson. When 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 Nate Pearson is on your team, yeah, it's like a tease. And I like the fact. That Charlie got him in a game at Yankee Stadium. Now, the, the, and the Jays can they can draw their own conclusions out of what they saw, and I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I'm sure. But this is what I'm getting at: is not only did you sweep the Yankees, but you you, you may have seen, you may have learned some things about some guys. Like you learned something. I think you learned something about Tim Mesa. Yeah, you want, him, you, want him, you want him in big spots and, and his sinker's playing. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting thing for me with Nate is he gave up a homer on a hanging slider. He gave up a homer on his fastball. Mm. How's he going to handle that? It's just two pitches, right? Exactly. You yeah. know, he's he's eliminated a couple of these other pitches just to throw those two. You know, uh, Voight had a couple of big giant hacks on his slider. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not saying he knew it was coming because they, they haven't faced him enough to, to – see tendencies and you know where his hands are at and what it looks like the difference between his slider and his fastball they don't know that but they you know that th- that would tell there might you be something about it that's easy to pick up or yeah, something maybe like it's that. not real good and maybe, maybe that's, that's it maybe that's the issue more than tipping pitches it's maybe it's just, just it's, not real good yeah yeah uh, i also want to talk about the bench now i know you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit look at the the jays are going to go as far as 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 Bo and vladdy and and Semyon and springer, springer and teoscar are going to take him and all that but now, watching this series reminded me how often this year, especially earlier in the year when the Jays were going with their 300 relievers, how many games Charlie Montoyo managed with his hands tied? How many games he managed where he had little or no bench? See, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't consider the, 
I don't consider the second catcher on the team necessarily be part of the bench because but, you know, you've got to be careful how you use a second catcher. And, Once he's in the game, he's And in, most of them don't hit like Kirk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mo- mo- but I look at this bench now. Uh, Gritchick, when he's not starting, mm-hmm. coming off the bench. Again, I really like what Jake Lamb gives you, and I'm glad he's back at third base. Jared Dyson, there's... Charlie has some options now that he hasn't had in the past. And he's and I, and I think we have to give we have to give him credit. We have to give Charlie credit for the way he used his bench in this series. I think we and and, and that got me to thinking what it must have been like for him and John Schneider and Dave Hudgens and and, and the entire coaching staff mm-hmm. to have so many games earlier this year where where Bark we talked about it. I mean they had they had one guy other than the catcher they had one guy. Yeah. Well, what what did, what did he do last night? He brought Lamb in for Smith. That's a third baseman for a third baseman. Uh, Dyson pinch ran for Guriel Jr., which, you know, he's he's a really fast guy. That's what you do. And then he went in and played center field. And then Bravik Valera. That, mm-hmm. that, that's the that's the one, right, is, is Bravik Valera, that little that one little hit that he got because he's a yep. switch hitter. You know, that, that would keep Dickerson off the bench. That way you don't have to use Reese McGuire. Exactly. So I, exactly. I, you know, I, it's yeah, Bravik <laughs> Valera goes up and, and pops out to the second baseman. You know, it's just it's just res- this these time of this time of the year. It's very results oriented. And when you got a guy coming in who's a switch hitter, who's having some better at bats. You know, Bravik Valera is not a, a tremendous hitter, but he is twenty nine years old. He's been around a little while. And he, he, he he's, he's he not who, Derek Fisher. He knows. Like, it, 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 I well, who is? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, he's been around long enough that he can give you a decent at bat. He, you know, his, his swings level enough from both sides of the plate. It's not a lot of head movement, which you know that's repeatable. He give you a chance. It's are are they going to win you a bunch of games? Their bench probably not. But I'm with you. Like he, you know, he can he can now. It's okay for him to maybe to go to his bench mm-hmm. earlier in the game. Yep. I'll give you that. How's that? Yeah, that's it's a great point. Yes, that's I guess that's that's what I'm saying. You can, yeah, he's got you, more options because of that. Now he can use you know when in doubt he might go to a lamb and, earlier. And the other thing the I like is w- when he goes to those options, it's not like he's weakening himself defensively because you know one of the, it's great to have depth. It's great to have bench depth, but it isn't good when you got bench depth that can't play in the field and you got to put this guy in for pinch hitter and that's great. Then he gets some base. Now you got to play somebody else for him in a position. And the thing I like about all these guys that they have is they're all pretty good defenders. So you can put him in a game and you can finish the game with him. You can finish the game with Jake. You don't care if Jake Lamb's here. You'll finish a game with Jake Lamb at third base. You'll finish a game with Gerard Dyson in center field. Yeah. No problem. Or moving guys around. I, I just find it interesting that that the, the Jays winning streak, eight in a row, going, huh. going for nine tonight, that it has come together at the same time as the bench was broadened. Yeah, it's almost like that team you root for for all the time. That has that really good bench and go mix and match and put certain guys yeah. in in certain situations to, you know, they're now they're a little bit more athletic than the guys that we're talking about for the Blue Jays, but it's sort of that same kind of thing. Yeah, Char- Charlie Charlie has options now. He hasn't had options yeah. for for ninety percent of the season, and yeah, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. And and look, four games Saturday's a doubleheader. The depth will be tested a little bit. They got a lot of games coming up here, but uh, I think at some point we need to just maybe do a deeper dive into the fact that uh, this run of success, yes, yes, it's been based on starting pitching. It's been based on on the bullpen coming together a little bit and the, and the key players have played well, but it's also, there have been moments in games 
whether it's Jake Lamb's sacrifice, fly or draw, Jared Dyson scoring, standing up. There have been moments in these games are catching, as you pointed out, catching that ball in the gap at Yankee Stadium. Yep. There have been moments in these games where guys have come off the bench and contributed to the point where you look back at that play and go, yeah, it was good that that happened. It wasn't just a run that was padded on. It, it, they were important plays. And I think that helps. That might help some of the other guys as well. It, it might help some of the other guys as well. Just kind of knowing that there's there is that little bit of of wiggle room. Yeah, and also too for me, uh, the bench now knows that Charlie will use them no matter what. Exactly. So you always have to stay ready. You always have to be in the yep. game. You always have to know the situation. You know, you got to be loosey goosey over there. Seven o'clock is first pitch tonight. The Jays opening a four game series against the Baltimore Orioles. They could be in the wild card spot by the end of action today. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. We'll take a deeper dive into the wild card picture. Now to talk about the Boston Red Sox. I'm going to ask Passan a very simple question. I know he's not a doctor, but why the Red Sox? I, I understand they don't have 85% of their players vaccinated, but they're getting a lot of guys who are vaccinated getting breakthrough COVID. So what is going on with the Red Sox? You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Seven o'clock is the first pitch tonight from Baltimore as the Jays take on the Orioles. What are the over-under in attendances tonight? They've been getting some really bad crowds. They haven't They've won been, 50 games, Jeff. Getting <laughs> Tampa Bay Rays-ish. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. When you're hearing like, you know, the paid attendance is 4,325. <laughs> no like one ever says First that. place. They always go 4,000. <laughs> Never say 4,300 4, sounds worse than 4,300. It just does. Oh, you got to massage it. You got to say it the right way for no, it to sound it better? Just sounds. Any, anytime you can drop 1,000 into a oh, conversation is better than Draw it out. It just 4,000. Uh, let's bring in Jeff Passan, MLB Insider with ESPN. I've got a very difficult question for you right out of the gate, Mr. Passan. No, uh, no softballs today. Um, and I know you're going to tell me you're not a doctor, and I, I get that, but Chris Sale now is tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Um, look, uh, I understand the Red Sox aren't 85% faxed. I get all that. But, Jeff, has anybody that you've spoken to, do they have any idea why it seems that the Red Sox can't, I mean, they just can't shake it? You know, other teams go through it. Uh, some teams haven't. I mean, the Jays have what? They had Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Steven Matz, knock on wood. I don't know. Did Teoscar, I'm sorry, Teoscar had, had COVID-19, not Lourdes Gurriel. But is anybody asking why the Red Sox, Jeff? I mean, I guess we're asking why. I guess there's just not a good answer for it because I'm not a doctor, Blair. So, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to I, – I wish I could come with some sort of erudite answer here, but – this is a disease that remains uh, mysterious, confusing, uh, annoying, awful, uh, you know, a thousand different adjectives. And the Red Sox are getting absolutely hammered by it at this point. And you really do wonder what sort of uh, upshot this is going to have on their season. And, and, and I focus on that because I'm hopeful that like all of the other ball players that we've seen who've contracted it, Chris Sale's going to be okay. I'm not right. trying to minimize the, right. the potential uh, deadliness or harm of COVID-19, but generally speaking, uh, athletes have come out of this 
okay. Yeah. Uh, the Red Sox, as a team, may not come out of this okay, and yet somehow uh, they have weathered it to the point where if the season ended today, they're still in the playoffs. Yeah. And not just in the playoffs, but they're hosting the wild card game, which is crazy to think about. Um, you, you look at the ALE standings right now, though, and uh, – uh, you know, I I have I have been I, I'd like to think you guys will remember this. I've been very bullish on the Blue Jays. Yes, you have more than I have, been, to be honest. <laughs> yep, and I gotta say, man, uh, things are looking pretty good for them right now. And I hate to say that because I've said it a bunch of times, and then they've just gone in the toilet afterward. Honestly, I almost didn't pick up today because I don't want to jinx them, because I believe in the baseball gods, and they've won eight in a row, and they're going to face the worst team in the American League and maybe the worst team in all of baseball, and they've got them for seven more games this season, and they've got a Twins team that stunk this year, and they've got a compromised Yankees team, and the only team that they're playing that seems to be worth a damn at this point is Tampa Bay. Like, things are set up really, really well for Toronto, and I'm super glad that I did not mail in my passport to get it renewed because I have a feeling I might be using it come October. Yeah, it's uh, I've kind of come off or, or come yeah. off the fence and and gone onto the bandwagon. Look, with the the way they beat the Yankees and the the things that happened in that series, and you're yeah. right, you know, Baltimore could this could be the proverbial tripwire. Although I really don't think yep. it will be because the starting pitching has been so good. But the way they beat the oh. Yankees. Like the stuff that happened to the Yankees in that in in that in that four game series made me think that you know maybe there is something going on here. The stuff that happened to the Yankees, Jeff, was they got outplayed by a better team. That's the stuff that happened, and I know Garrett Cole got hurt, and I understand that um, you know they they had various foibles during that series. But the reality is, and listen, I, I am I am not going to bow down to the, the deity that is run differential. But generally speaking, if you score more runs than your opponents and at a higher rate than other organizations do, you are a better team. And all year long, the Blue Jays have had a run differential that their record did not match. Mm. And their record is finally catching up to their run differential, which, by the way, is third in the American League right now, even better than the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, that's really true. Okay, uh, Robbie Ray's throwing tonight. In, in, any chance, I already think Robbie Ray's going to win the AL Cy Young. So I'm going to say this in the way that any way that he cannot perform at the level that he's supposed to to continue to be on the track of winning the AL Cy Young. Robbie Ray, guys, has been so good over and I, I tweeted about him. I, I don't I lose track of time these days. I think it was probably three weeks ago or so about uh how he's gonna cash in this offseason. And you know, a lot of the responses were, oh, he's still Robbie Ray, blah, 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 blah. Uh no, I'm I'm sorry to say He's not the Robbie Ray that you think he is. He is the Robbie Ray that you always hoped that he would be. And he's finally at the point where all of the the potential there uh, is coming out and and manifesting itself in a pretty beautiful fashion. And, And let me say, outside of Garrett Cole, guys, I'm not sure who can beat Robbie Ray for the AL Cy Young this year. Like, is there is there anyone that, that you see who's in contention? To me, it feels kind of like a two-man race at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. Do you, do you think other teams that are wanting to assign Robbie Ray are 
worried about the X factor. And what I mean by that is Pete Walker. Pete Walker, the pitching coach for the Blue Jays, obviously has a a you know a huge benefit and what on what he's done mechanically yeah. and you know simplifying it with the, just the two pitches and you know it's just a little glaring occasionally to go stay on top of the ball it's just that little thing if i'm another team am i thinking well can my pitching coach carry this over is he really worth the 3 or 4 years that he's ultimately going to get you think that's going to you know factor in to their decision at all uh, I think that's definitely going to be something that they talk about and that they consider. But the the reality is when you're throwing around nine figures, and I think Robbie Ray has pitched himself into the $100 million plus dollar category at this point, I think it's very – I mean, doesn't he look to you like Patrick Corbin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, I think that's a real good comp. I think that's a real yeah, – that, I mean, that's a real good comp, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, and and listen, the fact that Patrick Corbin uh, has kind of been a disaster is not great, but uh, the truth is, if you want to go out and win a championship, uh, there are worse places to start than with a starting pitcher who you can throw out there on opening day and feel very comfortable with. And and Robbie Ray has put himself into that category uh, and well beyond at this point. So I think as much as the Pete Walker factor is a reality and is a truth, that's not going to stop teams from pursuing him. That may give them pause, but anytime you're throwing around a hundred plus million dollars, you're going to have pause because contracts like this sometimes don't work out, and because risk is a real thing when it comes to baseball. Jeff, I'm wondering about uh, Eric Neander signing that that extension and getting the promotion with the Rays. Is there any tie into the fact that it came about a couple of days after the, the Zach Scott uh, uh, incident? with the with the uh with the Mets and you know sort of well here we go who who would be a candidate to be GM of the Mets and Eric Neander's name yeah. was very very much out there do you think that had anything to do with it at all like I don't know Stuart I don't know if that's how Stuart Sternberg worked where he would just say let's get this done now and 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 put the kibosh on this I think that as the Rays have proven themselves as not being a one or two year wonder but this organization that somehow, in spite of the spending uh, that it puts out there, manages to be as good as it is, that Eric Neander was always in line for a promotion, for a raise, and uh, for sticking around long-term in a place that he really appreciates. Like, he likes it there, and he Mm -hmm. feels like what he's helped build there, you know, it was Andrew Friedman originally, and then Eric Neander and Haim Bloom, who's now running the Red Sox, sort of took over as co-heads of baseball operations. And Haim left for Boston. And here's Neander running the ship that, frankly, is operating better than ever. Mm-hmm. The Rays understood we can't let him get away. Um, Eric Neander's good at a lot of things. But one thing that he's particularly good at, I think, is getting the love of his employees. And that mm-hmm. sounds like... That sounds like a silly thing to look at when you're trying to figure out who uh, who the right uh, baseball operations head is for an organization, right? Like, okay, yeah, his employees love him. I don't know. As I've gotten older, guys, I've appreciated more and more managers who bring devotion out of their employees. Mm-hmm. And 
who can get everybody on the same page and make you excited to come to work and and make you feel like you're part of something bigger and part of something better. And that's the way that people inside the Rays organization operate. And, and I think that starts from the top. And Eric Neander is just sort of like he's kind of an average guy when you look at his resume. You know, didn't go to an Ivy League school, isn't pedigreed like that, didn't play high-level baseball. He's just somebody who has those skills that a lot don't because they come off as arrogant because they think they're smarter than everyone. No, he's just a regular guy who knows how to make people feel good about themselves. And that goes a really, really long way in an industry that so many times can, can be perverted by ego. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's, it's really important when you're in a, when, when you're in an organization that, doesn't have all the money in the world to spend on the field. Yes, to, to, to that's keep, exactly right. To you, keep you, your employees like happy. Part, it, yeah, if you're part of a team like that, there needs to be a reason that you stay there, yeah. right? Because it's not going to be money. It's not going to be fame. It's not going to be any of those things. It's going to be because you believe in what the team is doing. And I, I almost think that the Rays have done a good job uh, of convincing their employees that they're trying to do something noble. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's the right word necessarily, but, but maybe difficult. And that winning with the payroll that they have, listen, they could spend more money. They should spend more money. They don't have to though. And I think there's almost in this game that is so similar sometimes guys, because all of the teams have the same data, and all of them, or at least most of them, are interpreting it in extremely similar ways and have very similar processes. Uh, you know, getting into professional sports, it's challenging, but some people want an even greater challenge. And it's almost like, uh, you know, in like guys' grocery games, I'm sorry, I hate to use a Food Network thing, but there are challenges <laughs> where, you have to, where you have to cook a meal on like a $12 budget. Right. And if you can cook something incredibly delicious, having spent only $12, that is an amazing feat. And the, the Rays are showing. You don't need foie gras to go out and wow everybody. You just need the right processes in place and the right people, and you can do special things still. Yeah, I was going to say one man's ketchup packet <laughs> is another man's marinara sauce, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to go that far, but that's a good analogy. Okay, okay. I got to ask you about uh, do you think Trevor Bauer will ever pitch again? In Major League Baseball? Uh, uh, well, we'll start with this year. How about that? Well, no, he. Well, he's not going to pitch no, this, he's year, not but... this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. In baseball. Uh, he, he is not going to pitch this year. That was made official today. Um, it would surprise me if he pitches next year because I think that Major League Baseball is going to come down with a hefty suspension on him. I'm not sure if it's going to be a year. I'm not sure if it's going to be two years. He's going to appeal. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get messy. But after that, and, and I'll, I'll answer your, your question with a question myself, and, and perhaps, this, uh, perhaps this says what I think. What team is going to sign him knowing the information that's out there on what he allegedly did? What team is going to bring in someone who uh, admitted to not just having rough sex with 
a woman, but to choking her out mm-hmm. and having her allege that he punched her multiple times. This is 2021, and while something like this was not right in 1921, 1981, 2001, or 2020, I think it's a much different climate right now for organizations to bring in a guy who has that in his past. Uh, Not just because he has that in his past, but wondering, uh, you know, is this something that he might do again? And is this something that we're going to have to deal with as a team? As good of a pitcher as he is, is it worth it for us? And I'm not sure, guys, that there are any organizations out there that are going to answer affirmatively to that. No, I, I, I'm with you in that. I mean, I really, uh, I mean, you, I, I don't, obviously I can't foretell the future, but I, I just can't imagine an organization that would take a that would take a shot at that guy. Plus, you're looking at essentially two years where he's where he hasn't pitched or a year yeah. a, a year and yeah. a half. Um, I mean, yeah, I, Jeff, I just don't I just don't see it. And I think yeah, I, I think the the fact that the you know the Dodgers went out and got Max Scherzer. I mean, I I really got the impression the Dodgers had just cleared they they've cleared him out of his mind. Like that is the ultimate sunk cost. I think if you're the Dodgers, yeah, I I think it's just a matter of how much they're gonna. Uh, they're going to get back from the suspension. Yep. And and remember, he, his biggest payment he he was paid or he's going to be paid thirty eight million dollars this year. Uh, his biggest payment comes next year, right. and that's going to be forty five million dollars. And one of the big things I think, and something that's important to recognize, is that if a player does not play at all for an organization during a season then essentially whatever he is owed is wiped off of their competitive balance tax payroll. Oh, okay. So if Trevor so if Trevor Bauer does not play next year, that's $34 million in luxury tax payroll uh, that gets given back to the Dodgers and opens things wide up for them to go out and give that money to Max Scherzer. Mr. Passon, as always, it was great of you to do this. Thanks so much. Thanks. Pleasure's mine, boys. Enjoy the weekend. Take care. It's Jeff Passan, MLB Insider with ESPN. Yeah, I, listen, I don't, I, I, I think, I think Trevor Bowers. I, I just think he's cooked. I, I can't imagine anybody. Yeah. Would. I mean, I wouldn't. It's my team. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't think any pitcher is good enough that your organization has to go through that and answer all the questions, and it's just not worth it. No. no. Plus, you know, you want to look at it, look at age, lack of, lack of, lack of pitching. Like you mentioned, he's gonna, it's gonna be a, a very long time. Between starts. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, I, I just, <sighs> yeah, I, you know, th- think of, you know, we're led to believe the Jays were involved in Trevor, in, in pursuing Trevor Bauer to some degree. Yeah. Trevor Bauer certainly made it seem as if they were, and there are a ton of teams in baseball oh, yeah. right now that must be going, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. Like, seriously. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, what are we looking at here? Time. Sorry, 590-590 is the text line. The text line is functioning. If you've got any thoughts on, maybe you got thoughts on Trevor Bauer, you got thoughts on on Robbie Ray, and maybe I have thoughts. What, what about Vladdy? If Vladdy wins the Triple Crown, and doesn't win the MVP award. Now, I think Ted Williams won the Triple Crown and didn't win the MVP award one year. But um, what do you think? Can you see, could you see Vladdy maybe making a little push here? Maybe making it a little more difficult. Again, Shohei Otani's a unicorn, but he's also a unicorn with a team that isn't very good and is not in the playoff race. And you can make the assumption or you can make the the suggestion 
that Vladdy has picked it up a notch at a time where the Jays needed him to pick it up a notch. Yeah, hitting big home runs at Yankee big Stadium. Big home runs at Yankee yeah, Stadium. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vladdy's, he's not the only guy doing it, but Vladdy's offense has helped carry his team into the position where they could get into a wild card spot tonight. So anything you want to talk about related to the Blue Jays, related to baseball, Bill Ripken joins us at the top of the hour as well. You're listening to Baseball Central. We are powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I know you spoke to it last night about the urgency that you guys have to play with here. Uh, is that something that you're confident that this team, you know, grasps? I guess the, the fact that they've bounced back before. How much does that mean to you that, that they can do it one more time? No, I know we're going to do it. I feel like there's a ton of confidence within that group right now. The reality is we've played really good baseball to get ourselves back into it for a couple months and just had a terrible week right now. I am confident that we'll come out of it and that still even our best baseballs ahead. Well, that was Aaron Boone today expressing confidence that uh, the Yankees will be in the playoffs after the Jays left the Bronx and left the Yankees a smoking mm-hmm. pile of bits and pieces all over the What'd place. What do you think he's going to say? That's exactly what he's supposed to say. Uh, it's, it comes he's... pretty close to guaranteeing you're going to the playoffs. I, I'm, I may not have done that. Um, but I, you know, what the hell? Hey, look, if you're in Boone, it doesn't make the playoffs. He's fired. So it's not like it's, it's, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like there's any downside to it. He, if he does if they don't get in the playoffs, he's gone. Yeah, you think so? Oh, hell yeah. You think it's his fault that Brett Gardner's no. leading off and, no. and Giancarlo Stan no. can't hit? And... No, no, it isn't. It isn't his fault at know. all. I don't know about that. He's gone. We'll see. I, if this Yankees team doesn't make the playoffs, he's. He's out of there. And that, they they will, that is a type of place where they will, quote, unquote, have to do something. I think they'll have to do something, just as I think the Mets are going to get rid of their manager. I, if if Aaron Boone doesn't, I'm, I'm not even certain if, if if getting in the wild card is enough for Aaron Boone. Huh. I, 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 I'm just not. I mean, I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be. It's not, this won't be the first year that the Yankees have come up short with Aaron Boone as manager. And as I said, at some point, I know it's not, it's a different Steinbrenner running the show. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Brian Cashman is loyal. And Brian Cashman is also smart enough to realize that his ass is in the ringer here as well. But man, I, they, they, if, if they fall out of this thing, there's no way Aaron Boone survives. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Brian no Cashman was to go. He, Aaron Boone will go, but you know it's it's not uh, it's not Aaron Boone's fault that, that they went out and got Joey Gallo. And- okay, uh, Dylan Brown, our technical dress director, just telling me that uh, Ross Stripling has been reinstated. Kevin Smith has been sent to Buffalo, so Ross Stripling will be will start one of tomorrow's games. One would assume, and yeah. there goes all that stuff we're talking about the bench. Yeah, not really. Like, like, you know, Kevin Smith off a bench. Yeah, that's, you know, that's more. Oh, you're going to have, you're gonna, you're gonna have Bravik Valera or Jake Lamb are going to be uh, playing yeah, third base. Yeah, defensive anyway. purposes anyway. You know, it's. Yeah. Kevin Smith is a nice story. You know, you'd like to see a little bit more level swing from him, but that's. Yeah, he's so, not. Somebody had, somebody had to go down. It's probably not going to be one of the pitchers. No. Just because, uh, you know, how many games they got to play in the next couple of days. But. Yeah. He got so a little taste. Go. He knows what it's like. Ross Stripling reinstated. Uh, fully expect to see him start tomorrow. 
Now I am I I don't know what game he would start first game or second game. But uh I think Ryu's supposed to start the second game. Yes, according to so according to this. He Ryu would start the first the game. game. That would that would make sense. Yep. Unless they change it around. Maybe. I doubt it though. Oh, the extra hour going to make a difference to Ryu? Maybe. You never know. <laughs> I mean, come on. Your creature habit is one thing. That's an hour. An hour couple hours bill ripkin of the mlb network joins us next you're listening to baseball central pregame edition powered by doordash and you're listening on the sportsnet radio network we're an hour away from first pitch at camden yards in baltimore we've got a live camera shot there's nobody in the stands right now <laughs> insert joke here <laughs> it's probably what it'll look like around game time like that, that franchise has just fallen off the face of the earth. I just don't know Baltimore how the American is. League East you come back from it. I just don't know how. Well, anyhow. We'll see. Uh, it is uh, Baseball Central. Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. We mentioned first pitches at 7 o'clock. Robbie Ray continuing his quest for the Cy Young Award going after his 12th win of the year. He'll be up against Chris Ellis, the first of four games between the Orioles and the Blue Jays, the Jays looking for their ninth. That's right. Ninth win in a row. They've gone streaking Kevin Barker and they've gone streaking at the right time. Yeah. All three parts of their game are, are showing up, right? And the bullpen's about as shut down as you can get when you got all those things working. And you know what Bo said? They got some confidence now. They got a little swag. Got a little, it's, uh, it's us against you. And you add that to talent. They're pretty good right now. Yeah, I think the... Uh, as we said in our conversation with Jeff Passon, look, the, the way they beat the Yankees, they beat up the Yankees. You know, the Yankees did some stuff to themselves, obviously, but the Jays beat up the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just the, the way the lineup's constructed, the way they're they're having real issues of hitting the fastball, which if you said that about a Yankees lineup, you you would call me crazy. Yeah. But they just it just seems like you can get them out over and over and over the same exact way and – Give the give the Blue Jays pitchers credit. They attacked that. They got them out that way, and they got some timely hits. This is what you need. Uh, let's bring in Bill Ripkin of the MLB Network. Bill, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself. As always, we appreciate your time, and you know we look forward to your, your insight as well. Uh, George Springer is back in the lineup for the Blue Jays tonight. He is leading off. He is DHing. How if, – if you were Charlie Montoyo and you've got a guy who – just by his presence alone makes your lineup better, which George Springer, which George Springer does. How do you go about playing this out the rest of the year? You know, you've got a, it's, it's a knee injury. It ain't probably not going to go away. Um, yeah. How, how do you go about playing that out? Well, I, I think you go to George. I think, you know, this dude wants to play and you've got to have the honest conversation with him. Okay. Look, I know you want to play. Can you play? because that's the next step in there. Um, look, Randall Gritchick's come in and done a nice job. I mean, I was watching some of those games against the Yankees. I mean, he's got 80 stakes now uh, sitting there as a, as a fourth outfielder type. So you guys are in good shape there. If you guys are going to win a wild card spot, if you're going to win a wild card game and you're going to move on the playoffs, I think it's going to rely a lot on George Springer being that presence at the top of the order. But I think open and honest conversations where you got to talk to the guy and say, look, I know you want to play. This is what I'm thinking this day, this day, this day, and this will be an off day and yada, yada. 
but you've got to be honest with me and say, can you go? Because you're probably hurting us if you go out there to start it and you can't finish it. Bill, you watch uh, Vladdy struggle in August. Uh, are you seeing anything uh, different offensively from him in September? You know, I, I, everybody's going to struggle. You know, as good as Vladdy is, and let's face it, Mike Trout's been MVP, what, five out of the seven years he's been in the league or four out of seven, whatever it is. And he goes through a little bit of a streak or a slump from time to time. So I think it's it, it's really a tribute to him, the, the player, his confidence. Because, look, when he came up and he was very highly anticipated to be the next it, you know, he struggled. And that can shatter anybody's confidence. So give him a lot of credit for battling his way through and doing some things that he's doing. And I, I think he's probably sad to see – him leaving Yankee Stadium the way he's going against the Yankees this year. Okay, I got to ask, have you ever been on teams that's gotten hot down the stretch, meaning in September, uh, you know, other than good starting pitching, what what does it take for these teams to to be able to, you know, get red hot and win a bunch of games down the stretch? Well, I think a lot of it is confidence. It really is. And and you hit on it when when you guys can pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, that's half the battle, but when you go out there with confidence, even if you guys give up a four spot or a five spot early in the game, you've been in those games before, you know, you can come back and win it. So I think confidence is pretty good, um, you know, moving forward. And, and it's the, it's that kind of willingness or that know-how to say, you, we know how to win these games. When you're going out there and you're losing close games and you're battling, but you, you come up short, you kind of have a tendency to go, you know what, how are we going to lose this one today? But when you're winning, it's the other way around. You go out there and say, how are we going to win this one today? Uh, we saw the Jays sweep four games from the Yankees. And, um, you know, we just played a clip with Aaron Boone saying that he's he's still convinced his team's going to make the playoffs, that their best baseball is ahead of them, et cetera, et cetera. Look, Kevin played the game. You've played the game. I've covered games at Yankee Stadium. I, I, you know, I understand analytics are obviously very important in baseball now, but Bill, there, re- I, I really do believe that there is something about beating the Yankees that puts a puts wind in your sail that that can carry you through for a couple of weeks. Like I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel about it, but there's just something about it, about doing that to them in that stadium, and I think there is a carryover. It might be one of the few places in baseball where I believe there's a carryover. Well, I believe in certainly Mojo. Um, I've always been an old school guy, but that doesn't mean old school guys don't like numbers. I've always liked numbers. The the analytics and how that kind of gets described into the mix now is it's almost saying us old guys just went out there and threw the bats and balls out on the field and we went and played. And that's just not the case. It never was. But the idea of going into Yankee Stadium and you hit on it and you're a young Blue Jay team and look, they were a little bit saucy anyway, but you go into Yankee Stadium and you smack them around like that the way you did, um, yes, mojo is good. Yes, confidence can be riding high. Sometimes those plane flights out of there, it's an awful lot of fun. In the next city, you just keep it going by by just osmosis. Yeah, you just sort of touched on that a little bit. Obviously, they're facing Baltimore. On paper, you know, the Jays are supposed to beat a team like that. How hard is it to go from, you know, thinking that you have to battle against the Yankees to, you know, on the flip side of that, you're going into these games knowing that you're supposed to beat them every time you play them? 
Well, I think that's where somewhere like uh, a George Springer can come into the mix. Yeah. You know, and they get to the ballpark and say, look, boys, don't don't let down. You know, because, look, I've been watching this this uh, playoff race come down this stretch here in September, all the different teams. And everybody wants to talk about strength of schedule and who has the advantage here and there. And then yet I watch Arizona three weeks ago sweep Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I watch Miami take two out of three of Philadelphia. Uh, I watch other teams. Baltimore went into New York and won two out of three. So, you, you still have to play the team that's out there. And, yes, on paper, you would think that the Blue Jays should be able to roll in there and just take care of business. But you got to go out there and play because these are big league players. And some of these young guys are playing for their, their you know, careers, their their next years. And, plus, Baltimore's got um, Hayes that's swinging the bat pretty well. they got Trey Mancini. they got Cedric Mullins. So, if you overlook them, uh, you might put a couple guys on and somebody runs into one and then there's a field goal up on the board and then that makes your job a little bit harder. Bill, what, where are the Orioles in their in, in their rebuild? Because, you know, look, I can remember, I remember going to this stadium and the stadium was jammed and the Orioles were, the Orioles were a big deal and, and I know attendance has, has, has fallen in recent years and I, I get all that, but how far away is this is this is this franchise? And how I mean, how concerned are you about where the Orioles well, are? I, I think it's fairly far off, um, but I don't know how to necessarily define that. And if I look at you guys up in Toronto, and I can see Bichette, and I can see Guerrero, and you're going, okay, we we drafted those guys, we developed those guys. Um, Cedric Mullins has come into his own. He's a legitimate. Um, big league player, you know, budding on that superstar type routine. They drafted Adley Rushman a couple of years ago that I've heard nothing but good things uh, on the way, you know, from him. I like some of the arms that I'm watching. Uh, you know, their, their payroll is extremely low. And I think it's a, it's a matter of time before the fans of Baltimore say, look, I got to see something a little bit better going out there on the field, win loss. The one thing I do like about them, is is they play, they mm-hmm. battle. Um, they they don't they're not a rollover type team. They're just short, shall we say, on paper matched up to the other team. And most of the time, paper wins over the long haul of the season. But you you've got to hit on your draft choices. Um, there's no question about that. And then you've got to be able to bring them up and have a little core that you can play with. And then you can go out and get a George Springer. You can go out and and and, and acquire Robbie Ray. That, that kind of fit into your mix. But first, you got to have that core to build around. Bill, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, as always. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you. All right, boys. Good luck to you. Thank Thanks. you. Fun to watch. Thanks. Take care. That is Bill Ripken of the MLB Network. And uh, interesting hearing him talk about the, the Orioles. Of course, the Ripken family is connected to that. Sure. And and it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember going to games at Old Memorial Stadium. And I can remember the first year Camden Yards opened. Camden Yards is still a, it's still a gem. It is. It's 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 still a gem, but it was it was such a good baseball market. Like it was it, it was it was old school, but there was a real there was a real cool vibe to it. The whole downtown area, the the inner harbor of Baltimore had been reborn, and and this was very much a part of it. And. I, you know, I mean, it was an event. It was, if you were traveling, you took your families in that. Now, it was a family trip when a, a lot of teams yeah. would, you know, teams have a family trip where the 
where the wives and 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 kids can come along. Baltimore was always one of the cities because mm-hmm. everything was handy. You could stay at the hotel, you could go to the harbor, you could go to Fell Point, all this stuff. Uh, and it's just it, it's kind of depressing to watch that ballpark now and see five thousand people, six thousand people. Yeah, I, I played. A I played a, a game. Or you played there when you were fifteen, I did, right? I think a fifteen or sixteen. It was a, it was a, a summer league. That I played in, and I actually hit a home run there, opposite way. Well, it was with aluminum bat, but I I could always say at fifteen or sixteen, I had a home run in Camden Yards. You yeah. must have wanted to hit the warehouse. I tried, yeah, tell I tried. me that you didn't try to hit the warehouse. Yeah, bat, BP batting practice, I did. You know, I was I was, I was a, a lot smaller than I was then. It wasn't a I wasn't a really a, a big time power hitter. Right. I wasn't even trying to do that. I really didn't know who I was, what I was trying to do. You know, it was more just see ball, hit ball, and where it went. That's sort of that's sort of where it ended up, but you know I'm, I'm with you. It just in the American League East trying to rebuild. Yeah, I just don't know how you do that. Like well, I, nobody's I tear it completely down. Well, is here's the thing: what they've done and started over. And and here's the thing: if you're the Orioles, uh, the Jays aren't going down anytime soon. Nope. The Red Sox, they're going to have some money to spend. They're not going down any. Nope. The, the Rays are the Rays. Who the hell knows what, what, what's going to happen with the Rays? Yeah. And the Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees, there's some there's some threads right now that are showing, but they're the Yankees. And and how many years would it take if somebody came in there? If a new GM came in, how many years would it take to turn to quote unquote turn the Yankees around? And by turning the Yankees around, I mean get them to the point where they are far and away the best team in the American League. I don't know, maybe a year, two years. Like it's the Yankees are not, you're, we're not going to go back to the 80s where the Yankees stunk. So, if you're Baltimore, that is a hell of a long road. It's a hell of a long road. Yeah, Bill mentioned it about the core, you know, sort of what the Blue Jays have with with Bo and Vladdy, and, and you can throw George in there, and I guess you could throw Danny Jansen there a little bit. So they, they do have a little bit of a core in Baltimore. I just when – you, when you look at Baltimore and how many wins they have and, and how a lot of the times they beat themselves and, like, how, how in the offseason do you take a step forward? What's your goal going – into an off season, into another season. Mm-hmm. I, especially in the American League East, I and mean, I hate to keep saying the American League East, but it's true. Like it's not the AL Central, yeah. where where if you're the like the Twins, take a step back, and next year they could win the Central. I, it just it seems like it's going to be forever. But again, before the Orioles were good, you know, we you you asked Bill about this, and we've asked a lot of people about this. I want to ask you this: What, to your mind, explains? Vladdy's not his turnaround, but what to your mind explains what we're seeing from Vladdy right now? Because there was a lot of talk. You, know, you listen to the broadcast. There was a lot of talk about, well, he's using the bigger part of the field, going to the opposite field. Oh, that's it's, true, yeah. But it, it's got to be more than that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, from my understanding, the people I've talked to and, and occasionally when I've talked to him, it's about his routines. He, he's, he's very good at a young age of adjusting routines. You've seen a, a, a lot of optional hitting on the field. You don't see the players on the field hitting a lot. There's a reason for that. It, it's, a, it's a mental grind down the stretch, especially when you're in a, in a pennant race and trying to make a run at it. And, you know, when George went down, who, who did everybody turn to? It wasn't yeah. Bo. It was Vladdy. You know, Vladdy sort of, you could tell his at-bats, he would chase a little bit more than he, than he normally was early in seasons. He, he could see he was over-swinging a lot. The bat looked a little bit slower. So, you know, he, he adjusted a little bit with his routine. He stopped taking as many swings. 
It's more now of, you know, you're you're thinking what a guy's going to throw you in certain counts. You know, it's it's as simple as what I say. How hard's he throw? What's he throw? Two strikes. Don't overthink it. Now you're a little bit more rested, and, and for that reason, you can let the ball travel. Uh, Haney at bat, did he hit the home run last night? Mm-hmm. Threw him six heaters and won at bat. Now, look, I'm not the smartest guy in, in the tool shed or the sharpest tool in the tool shed. Is that how you say it? Yeah, but if you sharpest throw, if you, knife in the drawer. If you throw Vladdy six heaters and one at bat and you're left-handed, probably not good things are going to happen. But what you noticed early in that at bat, he was overswinging. You know, he was trying to pull the ball. And then you saw later in the, in the at bat, he started letting the ball travel a little bit more, using his hands a little bit more, staying more on his backside, thinking that it's okay if I go to right field. I don't have to go to right center. I don't have to stay in the big part of the field. Use it. Okay, let me ask, let me ask you this. Is that the way forward for Bo too? Is he is when 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 Bo is scuffling? Is that how he gets out of yeah, it? Yeah, I'm not sure Bo can do that. I, I just I uh, Bo's lower half is look. He's having a really good year. How much better of a year could he have if he was quieter with his lower half? Mm-hmm. If there wasn't so much movement, you know, the home run he hit last night was. Was a fastball in on the black with two strikes. That's because he eliminated his lower half. He drives down and through the baseball. It's a little bit shorter. It's quicker. The eyes are not moving as much. Ball's not moving. You can get the barrel to to a fastball more velocity. You know he does. He is a guesser. You, mm-hmm. can, you can see that. Why is he guessing? If you can hit velocity, why are you guessing? Yeah. That's that's the thing for me too. So you know I, I think two guys are on the opposite ends of where they're at as as hitters. And I'm not saying by any means that Bo's not a really good hitter because he is. But just what if he tweaked something with the lower half? You know, it's fun to watch, and he has adjusted it. You can tell that he's a little bit more into his lower half. He, his helmet doesn't fly off as much. You know, he's not stepping across the plate when he, when he swings. I kind of miss the on his helmet finish. flying well, off. He, he misses the ball too much. I know. You know, late in seasons, you can't waste your good swings. No, you only, you only you only get a couple of them. Yeah. So you when you swing the bat at something, you need to be, you know, as short and as refined as possible. But look, he he has everything a, a really good hitter needs, and now it's just refining. You know, it may be for me more what he's swinging at than the adjustment with his lower half because who his dad was, how his dad talks, what his dad thinks about hitting with two strikes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the guessing part of it, I think a little bit of that he gets from his dad, too. You know, combined all of that, you may simplify it a little bit and, and split the plate in half and not try and cover the entire thing. Maybe he tries that a little bit more in, in, in 2022. But, look, he's he's very hard to pitch to because he swings at everything. Hmm. And he has bat-to-ball skills that are second to none. He has elite bat speed. It's just, you know, <laughs> can you get a ball down the middle occasionally? That's... That's sort of the gist of. Uh, we've got some very good texts, and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get to them. Sean and Belleville, okay, you got my. The, Sean and Belleville, you're gonna get, you're gonna start a conversation. You're gonna start a conversation here. We're gonna bring Ben Wagner in, radio voice of the Blue Jays. Sean and Belleville's text is gonna start a conversation. That I, I I don't know where it's gonna go. I don't know where it's gonna go, but it's interesting. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, so I'm going to go a little bit off uh, off base here. 595 Nancy Touchline, Sean and Belleville. He's throwing this out. 
Okay, we know we've talked about the next year's third baseman in here yet. Wait, he's, he's still not here. Still not here. Yet. No. Okay. Uh. Okay. And now, all you Alejandro Kirk fans, if you're near anything sharp, if you're near anything, any glass, or if you're driving, take a deep breath here. Sean in Belleville says, Alexander Kirk is my third baseman next year. Hashtag winter ball. Now, there have been guys of split time between third base and catcher, <clears throat> Russ Martin. Um, I know, I, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look, guys used to do that. He used to go to winter ball. It, again, you know, and, and we've talked about how he's going to have to he's going to have to lose a little weight. Well, I'm just throwing I, it out. I, I, listen, I, Sean and Belleville comes up with something original. It's a hell of a lot better than, oh, my God, are they going to sign Simeon and Ray? It's a hell of a lot better okay, than that. Okay, to, to that point. If Ray comes back, Kirk's catching for sure because right. then we can move on. They need that personal catcher kind of thing. You know, it's it's Vladdy went through last year when when he had the little belly thing yeah. working and the and the up and back coming on baseballs basically bending over yeah. to try and catch balls. Yep. And be better at it. Well, right. you know, unless he gets in a little bit better shape, accuracy of his arm, arm strength. All these th- things will come into play. Look, I- I'll say that if-, if Alejandro Kirk is playing third base for the Toronto Blue Jays next year, we we'll probably went a whole I different direction. I just thought direction. it was fun. Who knows? A, it's a fun question because you're trying to you figure out ways to get him in the lineup because yeah. he's a good hitter. Exactly. But there's probably other ways to do it. Okay. All right. You know. No. He's no, a good hitter. No I'll foul, get, no autopsy, no, 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 right? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's a good thought. All right. So there you go, Sean and Belleville. Thank you for that. Um, ben Wagner joining us. So Ben just walked in. You don't have to worry about the Alex Alejandro Kirk at third base next year. Thought it was just, it was fun. I was so happy to walk in late in that conversation. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Oh, dodge that bullet. All right, here we well, go. Here, I, well, I'm going to ask you the question that Everett uh, in, in Thames, 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 Thamesford, Ontario asked. Jesus, THs, man. THs are hard. Why is it that Pearson was throwing an abundance of sliders with multiple run lead? This sounds like a broken record with him. Is he being directed to do so by the coaching staff, the catcher? Is it solely his decision? I want to talk about, I'm just using that as a jumping off point because Mm -hmm. we saw Nate Pearson pitch last night. Mm. Ben, I'll ask you, what'd you see from Nate Pearson? We got, it wasn't highest leverage, but I I got my wish and got to see Nate Pearson pitch at Yankee Stadium and the Jays still won the game. So erratic fastball command slider. He could get over for a strike. I mean, that's that's basically it. I think it's late in a game, and, and, and with Nate Pearson, I feel like I'm a broker record saying this. You have to throw strikes. This is how Nate Pearson will stay in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. This is where Blue Jay fans get a, whether it's an immediate out of the bullpen over the next couple of weeks or a long-term sensation or gratification of seeing Nate Pearson, you know, kind of arrive to the major leagues mm-hmm. and be the top prospect and then eventually the major leaguer everybody wants him to be Mm -hmm. is the fact that he's got to throw strikes. And we've seen a little bit of a mix. Uh, I thought, you know, his first outing, maybe the fastball command was better than the slider against the Orioles. No, the A's on Sunday, Mm -hmm. the slider was better. And then yesterday he was missing arm side a lot um, with the fastball different. If it's a left-handed batter, much different if it's a right-handed batter, because it's up and in and he almost tagged a couple of guys. And um, he's, he tried to get a fastball by one, hung a slider on the next one. They leave the ballpark and yeah, that's yeah. it. I, I'm, I'm just wondering about his fastball. You know, it's the, the strike thing. I'm, I'm guessing that that's it. But where strikes like he's not a guy for me that can miss on the plate. 
You've seen that. Like, like, like uh, Sanchez last night was having some serious hacks on his heater. Watch like the hitters. That's the thing, right, Kevin? Hacks. Like, watch the hitters. They yeah. tell you how dominant or not dominant the stuff is for anybody. It doesn't matter if it's Nate Pearson or if it's Chris Ellis, who's going to start tonight mm. for the Baltimore Orioles. The hitters will tell you, and there were n- there was no wobbly leg. There was no freeze or back out of the plate. Guys were hanging in there, yeah. and they're identifying the pitches. So there is not a lot of deception. They're getting it out of the hand. They're tracking it, whether it's 101 miles an hour or whether it's the slider, you know, kind of darting in there. Guys are getting a good read Yeah, we've all it. seen a, a guys that throw hard upwards of 100 miles an hour, but the hitter will tell you it doesn't look 100 miles an hour. Maybe that's where Nate's at. It really does appear, doesn't it, guys, as if as we, uh, what, we're going into the final, what, there's three three weeks of the season left. It, it's Mason Romano in the back end of the game, isn't it, in some in, in, in some form. And, and, you know, we talked about Tim Mays again. This is a great story when you consider where this guy was and how far he's come and how in control of things he appears now. How comfortable he appears. Yeah. In control and comfortable around his his teammates, around his surroundings. I asked. Ross Atkins last week about Tim Meza, and he goes, think about his career where he kind of makes this splash very early on, a handful of appearances, doesn't talk to anybody in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You have to basically shake him to make him make a peep yeah. and even find out that he's in the room because he just sits there in silence. Very shy. Very he's, shy yeah. guy, very timid, very, very approachable, though. Yeah, Once absolutely. you get him in a conversation, he's very insightful, and he holds one of the best Zooms. Uh, that we've been subjected to over yes. the last two years. Always great stuff. And now you're starting to see that confidence, not only role in conversation, uh, one-on-one presentation, but now the stuff is coming around too. And the stuff wasn't as good at the beginning of the year as it is right now. And, of course, everybody's going to benefit from that. But that's the one-two punch. A Tim Meza, a Jordan Romano, mm-hmm. one-two punch if they're available on the same day, or one guy can pick up the next guy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, God, it's just thinking about this last night, thinking back to where we were three weeks ago with this bullpen. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. for that for me, the, the bullpen's been helped out because of the starting pitching. The starting pitching's it, yeah. been outstanding. Well, you're yeah. you're hiding some guys. They're not pitching as much, other than Jordan Romano. And, now, Jordan Romano, when he gets the ball now, all of a sudden, it's, it's 99 from the gate, which is exactly what he needs, but... You, for me, it's the rotation. The starting rotation, I, I don't want to say it's been a shock or a surprise, but now it's like a habit that every time they go out there, you're just sort of like, well, they're going to go at least six. Well, here's you're, the thing. They're going to be winning when they come out of the game. It's he, like a. Here's the thing. Hyunjin Ryu said he had forearm issue the last start, and we're like, okay, Hyunjin Ryu has a forearm issue. Hey, how about Steven Matz and Robbie? You know, I, 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 compare it. that to last year. Right. Compare yeah. that to last yeah. year. It would have been it would have been a it would have been a five alarm fire. You know, and I want to talk about Jose Brios last night as well because we said going in we wanted to see Jose Brios have kind of a. I'm not a fan of saying it's everything's a signature start, but I'd take that in the playoffs. Oh. What I saw last night. Kidding me? And and I got to tell you, I had no idea that we saw it in his first game in Toronto. Man, he's a hell of an athlete. That play he made. On that that ball back to the yeah, mound, the double play turn. That, that double had. play turn. That that's a type of play doesn't get made. Your inning falls apart. Absolutely. He. I mean, a lot of guys will airmail that to center field yep. because your body is not used to that kind of direction on the slope, or you fall over the mound. Mm-hmm. And we saw it early in the series too. 
a guy falls over the mound, mm -hmm. and that makes everything crazy. Now, he's pulled that off a couple of times. Yeah. Very athletic plays. Yeah. He's a good athlete, hands down. You know, I mean, that's just where it starts for Jose Barrios. And he is a guy that is in control of his body, and he can pull off stuff like that. Yeah, that was well, a really well, tremendous well, play. Well, the one last night for me was Bo was running. He's basically a quarterback. He's like a lead pass. He, had, he has right. a lead, lead pass. And for a guy that played first base who tried to lead the pitcher, you know, on a ground ball covering first base trying to do that, it's you have to throw it hard enough. You don't have to guide it over there. And just mm -hmm. for him to be able to turn around and not think about it, because you see them, when they catch it, what do you do? They're like a fish out of water. Yeah. They don't really want to know what to do. The old saying was the spring training, just get them involved, the worst yeah, athlete on exactly. the field. Well, he's not that kind of way. But And I'll tell you what, Bo knew. Who caught the ball? Yeah, like Bo knew right. who, who was who was going to make the play. Yeah, just give him the glove target, and he hits the glove yeah. target, and off we go. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, we know that Ross Stripling has been activated. He's going to start one of the doubleheaders, one of the games of the doubleheader tomorrow. We mentioned this yesterday that we thought we might see Thomas Hatch as well, just because. Yeah, you just swept the Yankees. If you want to give, if you if you're going to give Hyunjin Ryu an extra day, this is the time to do it. You swept the Yankees. You got the Orioles. You're shaking your head. But I, if, if you've got to give them an extra day, now is the time uh, to do how it. How would you do that? But well, this is what we talked about, too. Yeah. You disrupt two other guys you because sure of that. That's the problem. And these guys are the creatures of habit. And Steven Matz is one of those. But you which, don't disrupt them if you go with, with Hatch, is what I'm saying, for example. You don't disrupt the – oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, forget it. Yeah, yeah. right. The only way you do it is if you skip a whole start. For right, you have to skip it. You're so not just going to push That means back. you may go Ross Stripling and Thomas Hatch in your twin build tomorrow if there is a concern. I've been led to believe by people in Baltimore that there had been no change in Hyunjin Ryu's entire between start routine. Mm -hmm. He's very regimented in that. He did everything like he was supposed to do. It lines up to make the start tomorrow. I didn't get an indication hearing Charlie speak to the media on the Zoom today either that they were going to deviate from that plan. Right. The question is activating Ross Stripling tonight if he is needed. For, let's just say Robbie Ray sure. goes short, and you have to use Ross Stripling tonight, then that probably gets a traditional okay. start out of Thomas Hatch. Okay, so that's that would that would explain that then. Yeah, you'd certainly would hope not. Just, just with everything that's going well for the Blue Jays, and now you have to worry about one of your better starters, that would not be a good thing. You know, we, we all like Thomas Hatch, but... Do yeah. we really want to see Thomas Hatch throwing in September when it matters? I, uh, well, if we do, I'd rather see him throw in Baltimore than any place else. Again, we, we, you know, we had Bill on earlier, and, it, you know, it's it's still they're still trying. They're still trying to make first impressions, and they're still trying to do yeah. well for jobs next year. And you and you walk a guy, you give up a bloop, it's a, you know, it's a field goal, and all of a sudden you're losing, and then, you you know, you're getting some bad habits that way. So you hope things are all headed in the right direction bad when it comes to rotation. Bad teams play pretty relaxed in the month of September. Yeah, that is you true. Got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. No. Guys are on salary Boys, I drives. Cover, I covered the Expos. I know that. <laughs> Trust me. You, you know, there are six-year free agents that all of a sudden got an opportunity in Baltimore. There are guys yeah. that have been salvaged yeah. off scrap heaps from other organizations or out of independent ball that are fighting for jobs and may, trying to make an impression to come back with yeah. a guarantee next year with Baltimore or somebody and else. And remember how many foul balls that the Orioles hit against the, the Blue Jays pitchers it, uh, you know they're not great hitters so so normally when when good hitters get a pitch to hit well the orioles will normally foul that off and it's longer counts and they just I gotta bear la, down here last question before we let uh ben scoot we were all very 
very dead on when it came to Bo leading off yesterday about how he wasn't going to have any nine pitch at bats and you, you know he's going to swing at the first one. So we all well, got look, that. He right. did swing at the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. Well, he, yeah he still did. Yeah, yeah, but right. he swung through it. He found but, it off. So he, okay, he didn't change he, anything. Here's the thing: George Springer is going to need a day off. Is he's George Springer's not going to DH every day for the rest of the year? Do you go back to that lineup? Bo, Semyon, Vladdy, Teoscar. Do you go back to that? Because we talked about how you disrupted, you took Bo out of the cleanup spot. Do we do we see that lineup again if George needs if if if, if George needs if George needs a day or two days off? I would. Why not? It's proved it's worked. Yeah. And we we talked about why it works. It's not just yeah. the first inning. Came through in the seventh mm-hmm. inning with the RBI base hit too. A little bit, a, a little tight. A little bit of that'll be determined too. Lefty, righty on the mound. Oh, sure, yeah, that'll, that'll be the thing absolutely. too. If it's a, on who's leading off, you know, yeah. if, it's, if it's a righty, it's it's probably not Bo. He's probably still going to hit cleanup. See, I don't like that. I, I again, I, I've. Oh, it's just yeah, it's a philosophical thing. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a philosophical if, if it's thing. One but, game, maybe, but. Don't yes, make it a if, habit. It's, if it's one time in two week window, if there you George go. does need a day off, let's say, and there's yeah. only this amount of time left, right? That's true. That's so yeah. if you're looking at where the Blue Jays have an off day and it's coming up on Thursday, is mm-hmm. that technically a day of rest for George Springer? Can you, you work that in? How you do that? But also the fact is, who do you want in the batter's box? Do you want Corey Dickerson in the batter's box, or would you like to have Bo Bichette? Yeah, no. getting off a ball game. Mm-hmm. Ben, we're going to let you run. Thanks for this. Sounds great. Ben okay. Wagner, the voice of the Blue Jays, he will have the call in under half an hour as the Jays open a four-game series. Have a good weekend. Against the Baltimore Orioles. Thank you, Ben. We shall. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, we're just a few minutes away from first pitch as the uh, Jays and Orioles start their four-game series. Robbie Ray continues his quest for the Cy Young Award against Chris Ellis. Uh, no real surprises in the Jays lineup. George Springer is back leading off and at DH. So uh, Jake Lamb is at third base, and Jared Dyson gets a start in center field tonight. Um, if you joined us late, Ross Stripling has been activated likely going to start, well, scheduled to start one of the two games in the doubleheader tomorrow. Uh, Kevin Smith was sent down to AAA, and, um, but that still leaves Charlie Montoyo with plenty of options on the bench. Kevin, as we talked about, it, it's, it's been nice in the past couple of weeks having a bigger bench. I think if you asked, if you asked Charlie about it, he'd tell you he's enjoyed having that that, I think so. A little extra he can match wiggle up, room. He can match up a little bit earlier in the game, too. He's not afraid to, you know, what mm-hmm. if I use this guy in the fifth inning? I won't have him in the eighth inning against a guy who has velocity. Now he's got a, multiple guys he can go to and give him, you know, a decent at bat. I'm not saying they're, they're every single time going to give him a, a quality professional at bat, but they're going to they're gonna make the pitcher work, and that's ex, that's exactly why you have a bench, a decent bench anyway, so it gives the manager options. He's got that now. Yeah, it's uh, as you said. It's been. Uh, I had a, a chat with uh, with Ross Atkins on last Sunday, and, and we were talking about the bench and the composition of the bench. And the Jays have made, frankly, they they've made a bunch of, of acquisitions. They've got guys like Gregory Polanco down in, down in AAA, and you know he said, and I was trying to understanding the rosters have expanded a bit. It's not they haven't expanded as much as they have in the past. He said, I think we were 
Ross's line was, I think we're, we're taking a bit of a gamble right now with, with the, the breakdown of our, of our roster bench versus bullpen. But mm-hmm. they also got the impression that they thought they had started to see something out of the bullpen, particularly, particularly out of Tim Mesa, that made them think that the bullpen was in the process of sorting itself out. Um, and, and that as a result of that, they could afford to go with an extra, with an extra position. Well, who, who, would, who wouldn't be a better manager if you got the eighth and ninth inning taken care of? And, and now I yep. worry about whatever the, you know, the middle of the sixth, the seventh inning, and I can turn it over to two guys that right now are feeling frisky and can throw strike one and can expand and get the middle of the orders out. Eric and Oshawa making an interesting point about Hyunjin Ryu. Um, and he said, you know, guys, keep in mind the doubleheader. It's a seven inning game. So theoretically, Hyun Jin Ryu can pitch five innings and leave two innings for the bullpen. And maybe that's, a, that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. If there is some concern about that, that forearm, it is just a seven-inning game. Uh, so there you go. That, that's, uh, that is, of course, for tomorrow. So Robbie Ray, we mentioned. Look, Garrett Cole, we just saw a little news item on MLB, uh, MLB Network. Garrett Cole says... He should be ready to make his next start after the uh, the hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw in flat ground yesterday, uh, and, we, and we talked about uh, you know if he misses a couple of starts that could really play into really play into Robbie Ray's yeah Robbie Ray's hands as he goes as he All goes right. for the Cy Young Award. Robbie Ray, just want to run this down you down I should say Robbie Ray in his past eight starts, hundred and eight, hundred and nine. 88, 90, 109, 111, 97, 107 pitches. He's getting a longer leash, obviously, from, from Charlie. Yeah, he's as, earned as it. Goes on. He's he earned has it. That, earned that's it. exactly what it is. And, and I've mentioned that trust thing before you. You know, I, I just saw that when Nate Pearson was giving up the couple of homers. The, the look on Charlie's face was like, well, you probably can't trust that. Mm-hmm. Big spots. That, that's get a little bit more about those pitches. You know, a guy earns it. And he can throw better than the guy that you're going to give the ball to while I take him out. It's that kind of thing. And Robbie Ray's been great all year. For me, for me, look, if the Blue Jays make the playoffs, it's a slam dunk that Robbie Ray's winning the Cy Young because he's going to have a big part in that the next four or five starts that he's going to make down the stretch here. If he doesn't, then you probably open the window a little bit for Garrett Cole. But, look, you can't argue everything well, he's I mean, done, I- the adjustments he's made, the mechanical adjustments, how quickly. You, the big thing for me that stands out is how quickly he adjusts from a bad pitch to a good pitch how quickly he just forgets about it. Like, he'll throw a ball that he wants to go in that he misses three feet with that it's just like, eh, give me the ball again now, set up in the exact same spot, and I'll hit that spot. And that, that for me, is the difference in Robbie Ray this year and, and two years ago. I mean, unless I've completely botched this up, Robbie Ray, and, and there are off days in here, but there's a chance that Robbie Ray starts twice against Tampa, twice against the Yankees. I mean, I uh, again, uh, depending with an off day, he might be able to get might be a game in Minnesota in there, but um, so six more maybe. Yeah, five or six, and and I would think uh, again. I would say again. Uh, I I think it, uh, if the Jays like you, if the Jays are going for that playoff spot, I think those those Robbie Ray starts are going to be really are really going to factor in here. Garrett Cole will have some good starts as well, but. Given the way the the Jays have kind of have have pitched themselves back into this thing, yeah, I think a lot of people will be watching 
lot of people talk would be about Vladdy getting Ray. closer to Otani. Well, that, that's down the stretch. Vladdy's doing the big, the, the big hits when it matters on the biggest stage, doing it in Yankee Stadium as many times as he did it, the at bats that he was having. Right, it, it's you know that that's an impression that it leaves on voters that are going, wow, look at that, he's doing it there. Look how old he is. Now they're mm-hmm. starting to dig a little bit more into his numbers. Now Otani, look. The home runs, the stolen bases, the the ERA, what he's doing, you, you mentioned it, he's a unicorn. And it's going to take a special next 20 games from Vladdy, like special times like five. But what if he does it? And they make the playoffs and maybe they host the, the playoff game. Now now you're, you're really having to think about that, which name you're checking if you're a voter. Huh. Has there been – I'm trying to think. Has there been a time – that we've, I'm just going to look back at some of Robbie Ray's starts. Has has there been a been a time where we've wondered a little bit? Well, there was okay. There was that four and a third innings against Baltimore. Like his his consistency here. You know, he had four and two thirds on May 27th, and then he faced Baltimore again. Lost the Jays lost seven one on June 18th. Mm-hmm. There really hasn't been a time this year where we've looked at Robbie Ray and kind of wondered when the when the slipper was going. Yeah, it's a lot of quality starts. It it's really a, we, is. We, we talk about the routines. You know, he's mastered his routine. Something works for him. It's not going to work for everybody. You're working out twice, two times in between starts. It's a lot. You know, it's max effort. He's trying to, you know, be exactly that way that he is on the mound. It's working for him. Yeah, but, you know, a couple of the starts against the Orioles, and I mentioned the foul ball thing. Mm -hmm. When you you face bad lineups, instead of good hitters putting the ball in play, action, now they foul that off. That's another pitch. Then he makes a halfway decent pitch the next pitch. Instead of them putting it in play, they foul it off. Those at-bats get a little bit longer. He has to work a little bit harder. Then you tend to be a little bit more fine with your pitches, overthrowing maybe, those kind of things. So I think the games that he's had – you at least that one he went for in the third, four and two thirds, whatever it was. That you know, was it, a little bit what it was. Here's as good as Robbie Ray's been, and again, uh, you know, decisions, wins and losses for the pitcher's record. Um, you know, I think we view them differently than we used to. But something else I want I, I want people to keep in mind here as well. He's had games where he's left tied two two zero zero. This is now the last two games, eight nothing and seven two when mm-hmm. he left. Before that, one 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 two two zero zero two two. Yeah, I think for for me, for what matters, got a lot of run support the last couple of games. But there was a run there where he wanted get. Well, no one was getting any run support. You can do the whips. You can do home runs allowed. You could do uh, quality starts. You can do innings pitched. You can uh, you can do how many starts has he made? You know, does he get the ball every five days? I guess what what I was saying there is what I was saying there is there's there's a whole hell of a lot of good pitching in there. Like there's a. There's an eight strikeout game, eight strikeout game. There's a lot of real good pitching in there where there was no room for error. He's a lefty striking out everybody with two pitches. That's what you're trying to say, which is just, it's shocking. He's doing it in the American League East. He's doing it in American League, shorter ballparks, an extra hitter. Like, everywhere from where he, now he's struck out people in his career before. That's not really a surprise, but it's just the way he's doing it. It's they know it's coming, and seventy five percent of the time his slider's a ball, mm-hmm. and they just can't pick it up. It's it's I'd for me I would love, I would love just to go down while he's throwing a bullpen and stand in there and see it, just so I could tell everybody what it looks like. I would love it. Now they would never let me do that, but I would just love to see why the slider is what the slider is. Now, obviously, it's probably location of the heater. It's the deception he has with his turn. You know, he's very good about that turn and all the weight on that back leg and just 
throwing everything he could possibly throw it where he wants to, it to go. But this, there's something in there. There's something. Why are they swinging? The White Sox, he just made Tim Anderson that at bat, where he threw slider, slider, yeah. slider, and Tim Anderson was like, I'm pulling it foul. I'm swinging over it. It's that that part of it for me is just it's it is it, it has been awesome. it's been notable how many really good elite hitters have looked bad against Robbie Ray. How many have had bad at bats? Yeah, and I always talk about bad at I always talk about too. You got a pitcher that can throw a fastball and a fastball count to a fastball hitter right by him. He does it over and over and two o o o three one three o any fastball count you want to pick. He can say, give you that little sign they give you where, you know, you, you flip the glove up, say a heater's coming. There's a lot to that. The uh, Jays lineup today will have George Springer leading off after getting some time off. What are you, what are you, what are you going to be keeping an eye on with George Springer? Uh, his finish, uh, is he hitting balls that he's supposed to hit? That'll tell you that he's not thinking about his leg. Uh, that you know, If he's hitting the balls that he should be hitting, that's – That'll tell you he's healthy. That'll tell you that he can, you know, have maximum collision with the baseball because he's got that firm front side. That's that's the only thing you need to look at. He's the lead hitter. That's basically end of story. And if he's healthy, is th- he'll get some good pitches to hit. Normally when he gets me, don't miss him. Is there a way for a hitter to to compensate when he's got that that knee issue? I don't think so. Not when it's your front knee. Anything to have to do with knees and turns and and you know you're you're putting everything you have of your backside against your front side, and a lot of your knee is taking the brunt force of that. There's really no way to there's you, no way I mean, to disguise you, you it, is there? Duct take that thing up as much as you possibly can. I just don't think I, I, I he is, from what I understand, can handle pain. Yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with pain for me. That's a whole mechanical thing. That's you know you could tell he was out and around. He was trying to not hit against that. If you see, if I'm Charlie and you ask Bill, what, what, how would you try and get him through that? If you see him hitting around the baseball and he's hitting with a bent front knee, that's when you walk up. As soon as you see it and the, <laughs> at bat's over, you walk up to him and say, I need you to tell me right now. If not, these games mean way too much. I know your presence is everything, but we need a guy in there that can give us at bats. And when they get it, they are not going to miss it. So that's something. That for me is the one. If you see the bent front knee and he's out and around it because he's trying to overcompensate because of that pain, that for me, if you're Charlie, look at that. And if you're watching that as a fan as well, that's something to keep in mind. You saw that early on. That's, you know, when he took the swing and he went to his back knee. I got the text. I still have the text you sent me before he came out of the game. And you said, he's hurting. Yeah. He's got to come out. That's the first thing I saw. It's it's how much these guys that are really good. You watched Vladdy last night when he hit that home run. You could see that leg, how straight up and down. Like, it's just so straight and and strong and how much force he's generated up against that thing to get maximum collision. And when these guys are not a hundred percent and can't do that. That for me for, is a red flag for Charlie. As soon as you see that, have the conversation with him or be the, or be the grown up in the room and be honest with you. Yeah. So there you go. The uh, schedule just to uh, get you uh, caught up to uh, date up to speed on it. Seven, seven o'clock tonight is the first pitch. Seven Oh five, I guess is the first pitch. Yeah. Seven Oh five is the first pitch. Tomorrow is a double header. Game one goes at 4.35 p.m. So the second game will obviously follow at 4.35 p.m. Sunday's game is 105, and the Jays are back home, and they have got a – 
yet another big series. The Jays are back home and they got what? They got Tampa Bay for three games. That would even, I, you can't even look at that. In Minnesota. Take take four out of take four out of four against the Orioles, and then you worry about that when you get home. That's again, th- this could be a little bit of a a challenge for them. How mu- how high they had to get against the Yankees? All the things they were doing great, everything was working. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta you gotta show up here and translate that into these kind of games to have the same at bats. Throw strike one. Be efficient with two strikes. Have a great two strike approach. Make the routine play boring. Go first to, first to third when you're supposed to. Teoscar went first to home when he was supposed to. Those kind of things. Other games to keep an eye on if you're scoreboard watching this weekend. Indeed, most of us will be. The Yankees and the Mets are uh, playing the Subway Series. It will be the 20th anniversary of 9-11 uh, tomorrow. So that will be a uh, be a very emotional emo- it's always an emotional series. There will be even more emotion behind that. The Boston Red Sox, they're taking on the Chicago White Sox. And the Red Sox actually start today leading the wild card race. The Yankees are half a game back. The Jays are a game back of the Yankees. And uh, the Diamondbacks and Mariners, the other game. And the Oakland Athletics, where are my athletics playing? They are playing the Texas Rangers. So there you go. That's it for this week. It's been a great week. Should be a great weekend of baseball. We'll be back Monday to get you set for the Tampa Bay Rays. Folks, they're in town for a three-game series. We'll be on from 5 to 7. We could be. We could be talking about a Blue Jays team leading the wild card race at that time. Who would have thought it for all of us here at Baseball Central? Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network.